Anyway, this morning, what I'd like for us to do is to look at an Old Testament account. I know we finished two weeks ago a series on people that are lost in the credits. Well, this is similar to that, but not the same thing, because what we're going to be talking about is the New Testament principles that Jesus gives us. But I wanted to do it through the backdrop of a person that probably you're not familiar with from from the Old Testament. And he's a really interesting man, and it's an interesting thing to consider what I believe we're going to consider this morning. But there's a man in the Old Testament by the name of Eliam that probably doesn't ring a bell to you like uh, Joseph and uh, Moses and some of those names. But Eliam is an interesting character because of what happened to his life. Eliam had a daughter, and like all fathers, he loved his daughter. And he tried to raise her the best he knew how, and, and he raised his daughter and took care of her until the time when she got old enough to marry. And when she grew up, she married. They planned this big wedding, and, and uh, she gave, or he gave his daughter away to uh, another man. And they began a life together, this, this daughter and uh, uh, her new husband. But one day when her husband had left the house and he was gone, there were several guys that came to the house and took Eliam's daughter. And they took her with the intent really to do her harm because they took her and they gave her to their master. And he violated her. And the husband wasn't there to stop any of it. And neither could Eliam do anything about what had happened to his own daughter. Well, the man was so um, wicked at this point that he also had Eliam's son-in-law murdered because he liked this woman that uh, he had uh, violated. And again, Eliam, Eliam is completely helpless. He can't do anything. He couldn't do anything to stop his daughter from being taken by another man. He couldn't do anything to stop this man from killing his son-in-law. And here's what I want you to think about. I don't know if you've caught on yet what I'm doing, but you know this story very well. This is the story of David and Bathsheba. Eliam is Bathsheba's father. And have you ever thought about the story through Eliam's eyes and not through yours? Because if you did, I think you would look at it from a different perspective. And the forgiveness that we so so freely offer to uh, David might not have come so freely if you were Eliam. Because there are some grievous ways in which Eliam was sinned against by David. And I dare say it would have been very difficult for Eliam to have offered forgiveness to David for disrupting his daughter's family the way he did. Consider some of the things. Do you think that Eliam might have had to overcome hard feelings I've heard people say this, and I, I really think it's true. I, I've given some thought to it, but it's, it's easy to forgive. 
We say that. You know, just forgive them. And, and we act as though, especially when we're counseling somebody else, it's easy to say, well, what you need to do, you need to forgive them. That's easy to say when it's not you who've been sinned against. When it's my enemy and when I have someone who has sinned against me, then it's a whole different proposition. Someone said it's easy to love your enemies until you really have one. And, and I think that there's some wisdom in that statement. If we're talking about just a vague concept or if we're talking about people that have affected you, oh, I can stand back and say, hey, you need to forgive that person. You need to get over that and move on. But if it's somebody that did it to me and I'm the one that suffered the offense, that becomes a much more difficult and challenging proposition And when I look back at the life of David, I see the sin of David. I know what he did. I know how he went in and sent some men and took this woman, Bathsheba, and and took him. And and he had uh, relations with her and then ended up murdering her husband so that he could have her. I know all that, but I also know that David was a man after God's own heart, and that was an action, a time in his life when it was out of character, and he repented, and he he made things right, and he did a lot of good stuff in his life. And so, yeah, I I give David a pass on that. David's one of my heroes. You know, he's probably one of our favorite characters in the Bible. We give him a pass. We forgive him. It's easy to forgive him because he didn't sin against us. But what if you were a lamb? What if it was your little girl that he took and that he violated and then killed your son-in-law? What would your feelings be toward that person? I think they might be a little bit different. Have you ever had thoughts that possibly have gone along these lines? Or have you ever said things like this, if not out loud, at least to yourself? I just can't stand the sight of him. Have you ever said that? Or have you ever thought that or felt that way towards somebody? Or maybe you've said, he just, ah, he just makes me sick. Have you ever said that? I've heard those things. I've said those things. I know what, I know what that feeling is to have toward certain people. Or he just irritates me to death. Every time he's around me, he just irritates a life out of me. Do you think Eliam might have struggled with some of those feelings when he was around David after David had done to his family what he had done? Pompous man, king, has all this power, thinks he can just do whatever he wants to do. He can interfere into my daughter's family and just take her and and kill her husband and just take her as his own. The thought of it all, that man just makes me sick. I can hear that potentially being said. Now, I don't know if he did or not, but I can see how he could because I've been there and probably you have too. And so what I want us to look at and to consider this morning is that forgiveness isn't as easy as we sometimes say it is. And when it's easy to forgive, it's typically when we're counseling someone else to do what they ought to do, and it doesn't really have much about what I need to do. When it's personal, then it's a challenge. When it's you, 
I can tell you what you need to do and you need to move on. And so I want to use Eliam as a backdrop, as a reminder to us that forgiveness isn't always as easy as we make it seem to be. We have forgiven David. David's one of our heroes. But David didn't sin against me. He did sin against Eliam. And for Eliam to have overcome bitterness that he could have naturally had toward David, it would have taken some work. And I want to talk about the work of forgiveness that maybe we need to be a part of and be uh, engaged in as we deal with other people today. Well, let's look at a couple things that uh, will help us to overcome bitterness, and then the lesson will be yours. But one of the things that will help us to overcome bitterness, I think, is to realize the danger of hard feelings. Well, number one, Jesus said, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. In fact, as he prayed, the Lord taught people how to pray in Matthew chapter 6. He said, forgive us our debts as we, or our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's, there's, a, there's a relationship between the two. God will forgive me as I forgive others. James tells us that he'll be merciful to me as I am merciful to others. There's that adverb of manner, as. My mercy will be as uh, the mercy that I receive will be as the mercy that I extend to others. Jesus in Matthew chapter 18 said, We have to forgive from the heart, and if we don't, we'll forfeit our own forgiveness, Matthew 18. So there is personal danger to my own soul in not forgiving, but consider how, what it can do to your life. Genesis chapter 27. We have the story of um, Jacob and Esau. Jacob has pulled a fast one on his brother, you know, put, put fur or wool on his arms and so that when his blind father felt him, he said, oh, yeah, this is Esau, um, because Esau was hairy. And so he tricked his father, got Esau's blessing. And when Esau came back and found out, oh, man, he was mad. He was so mad, he would have killed Jacob right then and there. Je- Jacob's mother said, you need to go and you need to run and hide from your brother until he calms down. And the Bible says in Genesis 27 that Esau was so angry with Jacob, he would have killed him. So Jacob spends time running. His life is consumed because of his action, because there's conflict between his brother. Because of bitterness, he's separated from his family, and his whole life is about running from his brother. Then you can turn over to Genesis chapter 37 and you see another situation where the brothers of Joseph are embittered toward him because of some of the things that he has said and the blessings that God had uh, given to him. And so they sell him into slavery, thought about killing him, and his life is just a series of um, obstacles and difficulties. Uh, bitterness can can upturn and really harm one's existence, one's life. Your life can be drastically changed for the worse.
because of bitterness. We've seen biblical examples. Another thing, as you come to Matthew chapter 5, we're warned to forgive and to forgive our enemies and to do good to those who uh, hurt us and abuse us and persecute us. That's what we're supposed to do, Jesus says. And that's the way to deal with it. Instead of becoming bitter, we respond in love and in kindness with forgiveness. That's hard to do, but that's the way of Christ. And one of the ways that will help us to do that and to respond in that fashion is to be able to discern between the sin and the sinner. And that's almost become trite and cliche, but it really is true. And I've heard people say, well, that, you know, that, that's just double talk. You, you can't do that. You cannot separate the person from what they've done. I, I beg to differ. Of course you can. Do you have a wife, a husband? If you do, you've been sinned against. I mean, we're people, and we make mistakes. And you're going to, if you live with somebody and spend as much time as husbands and wives spend together, you're going to walk on top of each other from time to time. You're going to do something that hurts the other person. And it's just a matter of life. And so if you have been sitting sinned against by your spouse, and if you have the perfect spouse, well, what about your children? Have they ever sinned against you? Have they ever been unkind and harsh and unappreciative and so forth? You see what I'm saying is that we can separate the sin from the sinner. We do it all the time. If I were to sin against Kim, our relationship isn't over. She forgives me. She separates somehow me from the action that I did. And I do the same to her. And I do it with my children. I continue to love my children and have relationship with them or my wife or people that I want to include in this circle. I can extend that to them and I can separate them from their sins. The question really is not can we do it. The question is how big do you want to make your circle? That's, that's what limits us. Not the ability to forgive and to separate the sinner from the sin. It's the, the limitation is who do I want to extend that to? I, I want to do it for my family. And I want to do it for my close friends. But I'm not so sure about that neighbor next door that I don't know real well. And I'm not so sure about that person from high school or that person at work. Or that, and, and we start limit, And that's the problem. The Bible tells us that we need to separate the person from uh, our sin. And Jesus did it in John chapter 8. Here's this woman taken in the very act of adultery. She's been set up, yes. She's been caught, though, committing uh, adultery. And they take her to Jesus. And, you know, Jesus doesn't just, you know, he, he shows compassion to her. He rebukes the sin, but he loves her. And he encourages her to do what's right from that point on. But he also tells her, stop sinning. See, Jesus separated her from her sins. We, we can do that. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 9, the Bible says that we're to abhor that which is evil. We don't use that word very often. Oh, I just abhor that. When's the last time you heard someone say that? Not, not often. Not often. 
the word means to, to hate. We are to abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. I don't think I'd have a hard time finding, you know, a hundred people in Carnes that love truth. I think we could find that many people easily. What would probably be a more difficult proposition is to find a hundred people who abhor evil, who absolutely hate it. You see, it's easy to say I love God. It's harder to say I hate sin. It's easy to say I want to be like God. It's harder to say I don't want to be a part of anything that grieves God because some of those things are enjoyable. We're to abhor evil and love the person who sometimes practices it because they have a soul. Psalm 25 and verse 7, I think, summarizes it as about as good as any verse can do it, uh, along with Romans 7. But in Psalm 25, the, the psalmist writes, and he says this, Lord, don't remember the sins of my youth. Remember thou me. David made a separation between the things that he did that were out of character, that were foolish, that he did when he was young. And, and he said, Lord, don't, don't remember all those things. Please erase those. If you're going to remember something, would you remember this? Would you remember me? See, David knew that, that's not me. Oh, those are things I did, but they are so out of character. They are so not what I want to be about. Um, remember me, Lord. Look at my heart. We can do that. And if we're ever to practice forgiveness, and we're to, if we're to ever get over bitterness, we have to do that. We have to broaden our circle and say, I'm, I'm going to extend this grace, not just to my family, but to all men, if we're ever to accomplish this. And then look at this. These are some things that I think in particular that we can do, actions that we can take. Number one, it would help us to get to know our offender. If you walk a mile in another person's shoes, you might better understand why they are the way they are. I know it's easy to look at a person, and, and I've, I've been on this end of it too, but I've also had some specific instances where I saw and listened to people criticize the shortcomings of another person, and I happen to know in those cases how far that other person has come. I happen to know the direction of their life and the progress that person has made. No, they're not perfect and they've made some mistakes. But if you only knew what they used to be and how far they've come, you wouldn't be so critical. And if we could understand where people come from, get to know them, understand what makes them tick and why they do and say and act some of the ways that they act, and I think it would help us to be more kind, more gentle, more gracious. Jesus, as he hung on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus understood who they were. He knew what their problems were, and he said, God, be patient with them. I think it would help us to get to know, if somebody is giving you grief, try to understand who they are and what's going on in their life. Another thing is to pray for them. Turn in your Bible back to Matthew chapter 5. I want you to see this because sometimes we sell ourselves short. We, we 
are kind of practicing half of what Jesus says to practice. In Matthew 5 and verse 44, Jesus said, Love your enemies, bless those who curse you, and do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Love your enemies. Well, how do you do that? Well, bless them. All right, I, maybe I can do that. I can say a prayer for them. I can uh, wish them well. All right, don't stop there. It's one thing to say, all right, th- this person just really made me mad, really hurt me, and I didn't fight back. Well, that's good, but that's not enough. That may be enough for some people's ethics, but not the ethic of Jesus. Jesus says, all right, good, you didn't fight back. Step one. Step two, bless them. You mean I've got to wish that person well? Yeah. Don't curse them. Bless them. All right, well, I can withhold getting even, and I can even say, okay, Lord, help that person. Okay, I've done enough, right? No. He says more. After you bless them, he said, pray for those who spitefully use you and um, do good. That's what I was looking for in verse 44. Do good to those who hate you. I have to do good too? Yeah. All right, so it's not enough just to withhold evil. I also have to bless them. I also have to pray for them. And I also have to do good? You see, if we would do those things, you can't be ugly to somebody like that. If you invest that much of yourself in another person, how are you going to turn around and be ugly to them? You you don't have time or the inclination to do it if you're doing all that good. If you pray for someone who is sinning against you, you either have to quit praying for them or you have to quit being ugly to them because you can't pray and be ugly at the same time. And so Jesus says, I want you to pray for your offenders. We should do that. That will help us to do what God wants us to do here. Another thing that will help is to do good. And we just talked about that. But if you turn to Romans chapter 12, he goes and expounds upon that just a little bit. And he said, if your enemy enemy hungers, give him food. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. Do good. Don't repay evil for evil but repay good for evil. He said, overcome this evil that you've experienced. Overcome it with good. That's the way we're to overcome our enemies. Not get even, not scheme revenge that will hurt them, but we're to do good. And by that good, we might be able to change their mindset, their attitude, the things that they've done toward us. Do good to your offender. And then talk to your offender about the offense. We leave that part off. It's a whole lot easier if somebody hurts my feelings to just sit and stew about it. Maybe talk to my best friend about it. And we we can't believe that they've done this or that. But... Listen, if somebody sins against you, go to them and talk to them. And you know what you'll find in most cases? They'll say, 
I'm sorry. You know, I didn't even mean, I, I wasn't thinking. I didn't even realize how that would hit you. I, when I said that, I had no idea how that would impact you. And if I would have known, I, I would never have said it. That's generally the kind of response you're going to get. If, if you go to a person and say, listen, this really has hurt me, unless they're really, you know, something else, they're going to say, what can we do to make it right? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 through 24, that if you go to offer an, altar, uh, offer an offering to God at the altar and you realize before you go to worship that you have a problem with a brother, he said, leave your altar, offering right there. And you go find that brother and you get reconciled to him. And then you come back and talk to me. Because you can't worship me in the way that you should worship me in holiness. If you have this bitterness towards somebody else, you better get that taken care of first. And so, you know, as we look at some of these points this morning, I just want you to be aware that forgiveness, I understand the struggle We've all been there. We all have to engage in it. We all have the responsibility to forgive. And it's easy when you look at somebody else and say, this is what they ought to do. That's easy. But when you look at it through another man's eyes, then it becomes a whole different ball game. David, oh, I forgave him. He doesn't even need my forgiveness. He has God's, but... But I don't hold anything against David because David was a man after God's own heart. He made a mistake in his life. He had to live with the consequences of it. He paid a heavy price for it. And I'm good with that. And I can just go right on. And if he were here today, you know, I'd, I'd go out to lunch with him. You know, he, he, that, that's the way I'd feel about David. I'd want him to be a close friend. But if it were my daughter that he took and violated... And if it were my son-in-law that he schemed and murdered cold-bloodedly, I don't know if I'd want to sit on the same pew with him. I don't know if I'd want to go to lunch with him. It'd take a whole lot more work to get that done. And so I want you to understand that forgiveness is its a process. It's a challenge. It is something that we grow in and must mature in. And uh, be patient with people as they struggle with forgiveness. As another person is talking to you and needing your help and counsel and guidance, don't just get put out with them because they don't do what you told them to do. I, you, well, the answer is simple. They need to forgive. Well, yeah, they do, but here's what Paul said. We're to be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with what? With impatience. No with all long-suffering and doctrine. As we teach people how to live and to be more like Jesus, we need to do so with long-suffering. Don't give up on people who are trying. Don't turn your back on them and say, I've, I've helped enough. They ought to have it down by now. We're to teach with long-suffering. And this is one of those areas that we need long-suffering when I struggle with doing what's right and forgiveness, I, I want you to bear with me and to help me to accomplish what I need to accomplish. And when you struggle, I want this body and myself, I, I want us to reach out to you and to be patient with you and to help you to accomplish what it takes to be more Christ-like.
Forgiveness, it's hard. But it is necessary if we desire to see God. So let's make it a priority. There's no one going to heaven who will not and who is unwilling to forgive. The greatest way to overcome bitterness is the way of love, that more excellent way that Paul spoke of in 1 Corinthians 13. We need to seek it, pursue it, according to uh, 1 Peter 3. And then in 1 Peter 4, you remember what he says in verse 8? Love covers a multitude of sins. It does in my family. Do I love you enough to allow it to apply to you? It does in your family. Do you love others enough to let it apply to them? Let's love each other. Let's love God. Let's forgive and be patient with each other as others have to learn this discipline, this grace. Let's help each other along the way. If you're here this morning, uh, the good news is that you serve a God who has and who is willing to forgive you. You've sinned against him much more than anyone has ever sinned against you. But the God of heaven said, you know what? If you will meet the terms of my pardon in spite of what you have done and will do in the future that I know you'll do, I'll forgive you. If you haven't obeyed the gospel of Christ, why don't you do that this morning? Jesus has shed his blood that we might be cleansed. And as we stand before God, he doesn't see our sin. That's been forgiven. We're justified. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If you haven't done that, do that this morning. We'll assist you in that. But if you're a child of God already, having done those things, and you need to make your life right and say, I haven't been living as I should. Maybe I had bitterness in my life toward other people and I need to work on that. I know my forgiveness hinges on me forgiving others and I just need help in doing that. And I want your prayers. We'll pray with you to that end. If you need to respond, we invite you to come as we stand together and sing.